the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley back again ahead of round six. And for this podcast, we have the welcome return of Billy finally. Billy, it's been about a month, mate, since you've been on. Uh, we've had Garrity on. We've had Wilfred on. I did a solo one because I had NBN coming in last week and it didn't happen. How have you been going the last month of footy? Mate, been crushing it. Um, pretty good. Um had a uh, 1,500 followed by a 1,300, so just did the 1,000 mark now, so pretty good. Pretty happy, mate? Good stuff. I think we've done the reverse. I think I started on fire, and then as I've gone downhill, you've actually gone uphill, so uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit disappointing. <laughs> the, cream, the, cream, the cream rises. Oh, mate. <laughs> mate, there's a lot of time for me to rise. Don't worry. It's only, it's only coming up to around six. Plenty of time. Uh, and your eels took a bit of a bat- battering on the weekend as well, which was a bit unfortunate. Yeah, a bit of a shame. I was um, close watching the old Mahoney last week. I was tossing up between him and um, him and Munster. I'm glad I made the right one, but yeah, shame yeah, about it the eels. Wasn't a good one at all. Uh, before we get stuck into Market Watch today, obviously we've got our fantastic partner, Top Sport, that I need to mention because they do have some of the best odds in the betting markets in Australia. They are 100% Australian-owned. They take care of all their punters, but they'll take care of you as one of our listeners even more. Just make sure that you put promo code SCALLSTARS in if you create an account with TopSport. TopSport have some of the best odds in market all the time, but their NRL stuff is absolutely mint. And hopefully in the near future, we will get to one day having Supercoach to bet on. But until we do, they've got a lot of great stuff with their NRL markets and even with the wider sports, they're often best of market. So do get on them. But if you are going to do so, make sure you do so responsibly. They are a great partner of the All-Stars podcast and I enjoy working with them. On that note, Billy, we are going to hit Market Watch and then we're going to go into the games for this week for a review for the Round 6 matchups. Before we do that, just about Market Watch. So we normally talk a little bit of strategy before we go into it lately. Uh, it's a bit of a crossroads at the moment for trading, which I chatted to Wilfred about a couple of weeks ago because we we're heading towards a point in the season where there's no definite trade-ins for each team. You know, it was, it was really easy early on, as Wilfred mentioned as well. You know, you would have guys that are, yeah, real easy can't-miss cash cows that you just get in and then um, real easy uh, guns that you get in or guys that were injured or whatever. And now we're getting to the point where a lot of teams are being separated the last couple of weeks. I did a big fullback chat last week about uh, the fullback spot because obviously Pappenhausen was going nuts and the people that didn't have Pappenhausen, what do you do? Um, I mentioned Latrell and Gutho um, could very well go on some scoring tears. Latrell, I particularly liked. He came through last week beating out Pappenhausen. Gutherson didn't at all, uh, but definitely Latrell did. Uh, and I think that would have been a really astute hold for people not to go that Latrell to Pappenhausen route. But one of the other things that I was big on last week was not t- trading Tedesco out. Uh, that was something that I wasn't real big on doing myself. Uh, I saw in Market Watch there was a lot of people doing it. We are going to get to it this week as well. But where did you kind of stand on the whole fullback strategy at the moment with how things are? 
I contemplated going out with uh, Teddy as well. Um, the thing I do like is the Trills uh, Tigers game this week. I think they're paying a dollar six, so surely you think he's going to get some attack stats there. I think the only reason you would do something like that is to really bulk up in two positions. But um, Teddy last week pretty much scored, what, 57 without doing anything, just getting equal tapped and dragged down just before the line. It wouldn't surprise me if he comes up with 150 pretty soon, but I don't think he's going to do it versus the Storm, but it's it's probably more the, more the one-week scare. Like, I wouldn't trade him out for Latrell this week, knowing that Latrell's all of a sudden got Raiders and that, that kind of draw, so... I just had that scare factor, mate. I did this thing last year, and, and Teddy went and scored 199 two weeks later and killed my season. So it's more uh, once bitten, twice shy for me. But if, if you can't find coin anywhere else, you've got to get it from somewhere, and he's an old Yeah, thing. look, I think one of the points that I was making last week as well, and I'm, I'm going to hang my hat on again this week, is that all of these fullbacks are really good players. So, I mean, it, you can you kind of have to look at it as a whole season thing for me, really, with guys like Tedesco not as a week-to-week type of proposition because I think that's dangerous. I think you need to look at Pappenhausen and Tedesco. Uh, if you think they're the two best fullbacks, you kind of stick with them because you can't miss, like you said, that 199 game because if you miss that 199 game, you're just killing the value of that player even more and getting them back in, which you'll double down on and you'll do, you're getting them back in when they're not going to give you that 199 again. You know, you just can't get that game back and there's going to be those games that will happen and it just kills you. So you're better off looking at it as a season. You know, if you think that Latrell and Pappenhausen are going to outscore Tedesco and Pappenhausen as a as a duo, then then go for it. But you have to be pretty certain that that's going to happen, I think. You know what, though? If you own Pappy, Teddy's value is pretty much gone out the door somewhat because his value was basically his captaincy option every week. So uh, I was having this discussion with someone, I think, this morning. Um, his argument was, look at all those people that got that overpaid for Teddy. He's only basically averaging, you know, so 95. He's got no value out of it. The flaw in that theory is round one to three, you would have captained him, captained him for a 120 average. And then the last two weeks, Captain Pappenhusen and for a 150 average. So you basically had 135, 140 average for the season out of your captains. But given how good that, um, Pappy's going at the moment, he's more than likely a stable for the rest of the season. So unless Teddy's coming up a run of, um, you know, Tigers, Cowboys, Brisbane and Dogs, it's it's not the worst thing in the world to get rid of it, but purely because you've got that backup in Pappy and you can't VC see both of them at the same time. Yeah, it time. can take the captaincy out of it for sure, and it's a really important strategy consideration uh, when you're having a look at it. There is going to be weeks where uh, you know Melbourne's going to be playing Penrith, and the Roosters are going to be playing one of the bottom eight sides, and those weeks are obviously going to happen. And what I would say uh, in defence of that theory is, you know, there is guys that don't that are going to get Latrell in and roll with Luttrell and Pappenhausen. Um, and, you know, at least in the weeks that Pappenhausen maybe has a really hard draw, Teddy can be an option. I don't think, as much as I like Luttrell this year and as much as I'm thinking that he'll go well, he's much more of a VC to me. I don't think that there'd be many teams that would be completely comfortable throwing the C on him outright a lot of the time. Yeah, look, the only way I would be getting um, Teddy is if you're trading him out for like a, a Latrell and a Brian Tuo or a straight out for Fafita at the moment because those are the players that are going to Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm obviously in the boat that I don't think you should trade Teddy out. Um, one of the other things that I'll throw in there too is that in two weeks' time he's going to be playing the Dragons. So 
it's it really segues quite well into our next discussion of whether you plan for points right now or whether you plan for points long term. But when you're having a look at some of the decisions that are being made at the moment, I think they are very short term. Uh, and certainly some of the advice I've given people is, look, if you're after points this week, yeah, look, like Latrell will probably outscore Teddy this week and Latrell will have a good chance of putting up 125 plus against the Tigers. And you'll be elated this week. But the week after, Teddy will probably catch that because against the Dragons, even though the Dragons are playing pretty good football, Teddy is likely to go 100-plus against that Dragons side. And he did throw 108 points against the Storm in the corresponding game last year too. So it's three games in a row already that Teddy hasn't hit a ton. I doubt that the Dragons will stop him from you know, breaking that drought five games in a row of going under 100. I'm pretty sure he's going to get it the week after this. So you have to really consider what's happening after this week as well. Yeah, well, the only thing I've got to say is that the Dragons just brought down some competition heavyweights last week, so <laughs> I w- wouldn't say they're exactly a write-off just yet. <laughs> oh, I saw that coming, because they brought down the Mighty Eels. You, you know, you don't want to play anyone against the Dragons at the moment. Oh, mate, if Gutho can score 75 versus the Dragons, Teddy will score 175. Yeah, look, it, it, it's an interesting conundrum, and it's made Supercoach really interesting. Uh, and for all those negative Nellies that try and say that everyone's got the same teams and stuff, you know, it really has thrown a cut among the pigeons because of the fullback treasure that's there that you can't fit in. You know, in a perfect world, I'd love to have Latrell, Pappenhausen, Teddy, Gutho, probably a couple other fullbacks even now that Ponga and Turbo are back, but we just can't have them all. And it's really going to separate a lot of teams at the moment. I think we can segue from this fullback conversation. I just wanted to touch on it because we had it last week as well and I sort of had to have it with myself, but... One thing that I will leave it on is, you know, Pappenhausen has had an incredible run. He's deserved it as a number one player in the game at the moment. He's not going to keep going at that pace. He's not going to average 130 points. Uh, Teddy could very well keep averaging 95 points because that's where he's at at the moment, and that's where he was last year. So, you know, ride the runs and stuff, but make sure your expectations are in check. But what I want to segue into as far as strategy, Billy, is, like I just said before, there's a couple of different ways to look at trades now. Some people are looking at the immediate return. You know, what's the what, what's going to happen this week? You know, I'm going to get Latrell in this week because he's playing the Tigers, for example, and, and that type of scenario. I'm going to get Brian Tyo in this week because Tyo is playing the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, or there is the longer-term thought of I'm looking past this week and I'm looking at the next month. Um, certainly the long-term view as well could even be looking towards the buy now because we're going to be at round six which means we're halfway to the first buy hitting and whether you're having a look at, you know, buy plays in the future at the moment or how that's working. Uh, there's certainly teams that are planning their banks. So in two weeks time, they can do double gun upgrades and things like that. And they're not that concerned about this week. What do you kind of look at at the moment? Where are you at as far as what you're looking for with your trade-ins? At the moment, I'm just trying to nullify any guy that can kill me. Um, currently sitting about a thousandth and I've completely offset my mistakes for the last two or three years by and not only sort of um not not only or captaining sort of Ponga or Teddy or Turbo when they went sort of 150, 200 and fallen way behind the bat pack. So managed to offset that at the moment. So all I'm trying to do now is nullify any any guy that can go massive. Um so I'd be currently looking at your team and going, all right, so if I don't own a Pappy or a um uh, for feeder or or like a, a Cleary or so, some of those guys who've got soft runs and, and could potentially destroy. I'd be targeting those guys. Don't care if they're overs. You should be trying to get them in. Um, 
Then number two, uh, filling in holes where there's a massive standard deviation. So, for instance, you're growing to a you know base of sort of 50, 60, or like yeah, your Brett Morris, if he was around the sort of 600 mark, you want to get guys in like that to avoid you know your, your Saab and your sort of testing new 30 scores. And then, where possible, I wouldn't even worry about whether they're 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 playing at their, their their first game or second game. I'd be just getting guys in like um you know um Simkin this week if possible, or even Bloor if possible. Just guys that are going to come out pretty soon rather than cash out to some bum who has a low break even. Just get the guys you know are going to do the job in a couple yep. of weeks. All sound advice. Um, I agree with all of it, and. The... There's no right or wrong answer to any of this either, guys. You know, you can look at it a whole heap of different ways. I will say, though, that you're probably playing with fire with most team builds if you're just looking at this week. I think you need to look ahead a little bit more. Uh, I'm certainly looking at a few weeks at a time. Um, I think from probably round 15 or something, you can start playing match-up plays where you're sort of playing each week with your trades uh, and doing it that way for even a week at a time, and that's going to happen and be okay because of the amount of trades that you'll have then and towards the end of the season. Right now, you'd want to make sure that, in my opinion, that you're looking past just this week. So you know, if I'm trading in Latrell because he's got a good matchup this week, that's that's good. That's part of the story that I need to do that trade in. But I'd still be looking at down the track what other weeks he has ahead in the next few weeks, what his break-even is because, you know, maybe, you know, TPJ is a great example He's been playing pretty well lately. Obviously, he didn't last week uh, with the minutes and stuff again, but um, in saying that, he's got a huge break-even now. So he's the type of guy that I'll say, you know, in like three weeks, if he gets to 420k or 450k or something, I'll target bringing him in a bottom dollar, uh, and that's the sort of planning that I'll do a few weeks down the track. With all of it too, you know, I, I don't think that you should be worrying too much about buy planning at this point but I think it should be a factor. So what I mean is there's plenty of times where I've looked at a player and not been able to choose, say, a center wing between two guys, and I've seen that one plays around 13 and one doesn't. You know, I've grabbed the round 13 guy because I can't decide anyway. I think they're both good options. One of them plays around 13, and it's going to make things easier down the track, so it's a bit of forward planning as well, uh, which I think, you know, is a good factor to consider, uh, just not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, and don't forget guys that are playing the buy rounds just because they're playing the buy rounds. Um, if they're going to score 25, 30 points, there's no point wasting the trade. Um, similarly, I'm sure you'll agree with this. I saw a couple of comments today around um, oh, I'm not getting rid of Ricky. He plays round 12, we're gonna, round 13, we're going to keep him. Why well, keep a guy that's going to leak half his cash that you have to sit around I mean, to maybe get to 50 points? There's no guarantee he's going to play round 13. Might get injured before then. He might still be coming off the bench then. Unlikely, probably going to get the start. But the um, the points that you're foregoing by not using his cash to upgrade someone else, I mean, it's pretty silly. I mean, imagine what you could do between now and then with that extra 200 grand cash upgrading someone yeah, else. Yeah, I 100% agree, mate. And look, that's, there's probably two sorts of people for that buyer. You know, there's going to be cows or mids that you had to get money to start with and there's going to be guns that you get in that are going to be playing it. So when it's one of the guns, like I traded in Brian Toto very early for round two, I think it was. And when I did that trade, I knew he was playing round 13, uh, and I got him at a pretty good price. But say he went on a couple of weeks now where he scored really poorly or got a HIA for four or whatever, I don't care that he's going to lose money because he's a gun. I will hold him for round 13 because I'm probably going to want to hold him beyond that, so it's fine. 
on the other sort of guys, like Billy mentioned with the Ricky, you know, his sole purpose was to make me money. And when he's made that money, if he gets to round 13, great. But if he doesn't, you cannot afford with those guys to lose that cash because that was their whole benefit of owning them. You know, you may as well not bring those guys in if you're going to end up selling them for 20k more or for what their price was, or heaven forbid you lose money on them, you know, like even Saab has shown us that even the cheap guys you can have to sell and lose money on if you don't sell them at the right time or you make a bad decision with them. So, you know, Ricky for sure, you know, you just cut him now. It's round six. The next six weeks, you know, he will go below where he started at. So you will lose money doing that. You're not going to be able to play him. You can just trade him to someone else that will play, you know, round 13 or, or, or use the money to make easier upgrades for round 13 later. So Billy's hit the nail on the head with that one, guys. You don't don't hold those cows. Just just cull them. Um, don't think about round 13 with those guys. Even Schuster, the guy's going to break even at 20, but just because he's got more more coin to make, um, how much more coin do you think he's going to make with a break even at 20? Just get rid of him, bring Watson down, bring bring in um, bring in Simpkins, use that extra what, 180, 200 grand now, and play Simpkins, the guy that's going to tackle in the middle as opposed to the guy that's playing south and so probably going to score 45 points on the end yeah and like when you're doing that sort of stuff too it's really important to look at the math of it like just because a guy that you're trading out has a low be like a schuster at, at 20 doesn't mean that you're going to lose money by doing that trade uh, and i actually did a trade last week which is a really good example uh, i traded matt moylan out when he had a minus seven be and i did it late in the round because i did it as sort of a, a hand grenade because i needed a bit of a push because i had a few things not going my way and I ended up getting Adam Dewey in. Now, Dewey went really well. He obviously scored 94 points, but I've traded someone out like Matt Moylan, who's a minus 7 BE. So, you know, somebody doing that trade might feel like that they've lost cash. Dewey had like a single digit BE himself, and he's gone out and scored 94 points. So even though, you know, he had the high BE, it was still low enough where I knew that I could offset selling someone like Moylan early anyway. Because if I wanted Adam Dewey at some point, if I waited till next week, the cash outlay for him was actually going to be more, even though I would have made money on Matt Moylan. So it's really important to have a look at it. You know, if you're trading to a guy that's got a you know 150 BE and you're taking a Matt Moylan minus seven out to get him, that's a bit different. But you know, if it's someone like Adam Dewey that had a, I think it was a six or a seven BE. You're gonna. It doesn't matter. The other guy's got a low BE. You get him out of there because you're gonna make more out of it anyway, and you're gonna get the guy in that you want, and it's gonna work out better for you. So, uh, I think probably sometimes guys are a little bit scared to bite the bullet and just do those trades. But you got to look at who you're bringing in as well and the cash that they're gonna make. Yeah, you can't sell buy and sell at pick and trough. Sometimes you're just gonna shave a bit here and there. But, I mean, we talked about this before. The objective of the game is to make points, and you do that by. Making, making cash, but if there's points on offer without making the cash as fast, just do it. You don't you don't need the cash, you get the points yep. on offer. Yep. Let's have a look at the top 10 most traded out and traded in quickly. So, New and Ricky top the list. They're both at 10%. I'm going to just put a line through talking about them because both of them should be cold. Uh, one of them's not playing first grade. The other one is on the bench and both of them have made their money. So, I think that that's pretty straightforward. Jacob Little's pretty similar. He's out of the starting side now, so he's done his job. David Mead, 
as well. Um, guys like James Roberts, Brodie Croft, they haven't done their job at all, and that's why they're getting traded out. It's why they should be traded out, just cull them. But the guys that we're left with are really easy discussion points for trading out. bit more meaty. Tino is number three on the list. Three and a half percent of coaches trading him out. I completely understand why. Um, he has probably been a little bit below where some people's expectations were. So when we're having a look at Tino at the moment, he's in 53% of teams for an average of 57 points a game, starting price, so basically hasn't moved, um, and he's about 510k. Now, when we're having a look at it, Billy, he's been solid. I don't think he's been bad. But when you're going through the scores that he's hit, 60, 46, 61, 93, and 26, the 26 was really due to the fact that he was put on an edge. You would have hoped that the extra minutes that he got would have helped him score better than 26, but he was thrown out on an edge and didn't really get the ball because it was the opposite edge that Fafita was on. I can see a lot of reason why people are trading him out. Um, this is one of the ones, Billy, where you look at the numbers and you go, yeah, I think it's fine to trade him out if you need to. But if you did keep him, I think that's fine as well. The plus for him this week, though, is that he does play a manly side. His pack is really quite weak at the moment, and someone like Tino could tear him up a little bit in the middle. Yeah, agree. That's why I'm keeping him, um, at least only for a week anyway. Basically, not everyone's got him, but a fair chunk have him. Um, the people that do have him, they basically just took a part that look, you know, at his price there's a chance that he might have got some attacking stats. He really hasn't had it, but the fact that he's still at the same price and playing manly, you can still just take the punt that man, maybe he does something this week. If not, it doesn't matter. Most people still have him, at least for another week anyway. Um, if you if you are selling him, you're obviously selling him as someone who's going to guarantee him more points. Like, I don't know, use me for an example. I tried to sell him to um, Fafita, but I couldn't afford it. So I had to make the decision by getting rid of TKO for it. But, you know... I, I, I basically got for feeling instead of TKO, and I get to use that Stefano starting now uh, as an offset to TKO. So you just got to look at um, points and cash on offer and just upgrade where you can. And he's a great platform. But if you can't, if you can't sell him, then it's not the worst, mate. Yeah, I think if you have to, then it's fine to do it. If you don't have to, and you got other guys to sell, then you could certainly hold him and play him this week with a pretty strong matchup. James Tedesco, we've already spoken about. He is number five on the list, though, so it's worth mentioning that you know quite a few coaches are trading him out. The last couple of weeks, he's gone down to 42% of teams. Now, I think that's probably going to be pretty close to 36 37% when we actually go into the round, which is really quite low for James Tedesco. Um, he was in 50-plus percent at the start of the year, I think it was, and now he's starting to go down drip by drip each week. I am going to just raise that a few people keep mentioning in some of the larger groups with trading him out that he has been disappointing. I think that a lot of people at the moment are focusing too much on him not scoring as much as like a Pappenhausen in the last three weeks, as opposed to what Teddy's actually been doing. So to put it in perspective, Tedesco's averaging 95.6 points a game. That is actually slightly better than what his average was last year. So what he has actually done so far this season is slightly better than what he did last year. And what he did last year, everyone that owns him was happy to have him for. So he's actually at least meeting your expectations as far as what he's scoring. So I definitely wouldn't say that Tedesco's had a bad season. 
Uh, it's just that Pappenhausen has a you know 200 point pearl a game in there that's blown Teddy out of the water, and that's probably making some teams feel a bit inadequate or making Teddy you know look bad. But on the actual numbers, Billy, you know he's putting up the points that he did last year, uh, and last year he only had one stretch where he went. Um, I think it was six games before his ton. Every other time, you know, he didn't get a f- more than a few games before hitting another ton. Yeah, look, it wouldn't be a grudge get anyone getting rid of him, um, only if you're spending, spending the coin pretty wisely. But the one thing I will tell you is that everyone who doesn't own Teddy, um, they're, they're the ones that have been shitting themselves basically for the first five weeks and are having one more week of trot and then bringing Teddy back in. So um, if you're getting him out... Basically, you're going against the people in the top 100 who are about to get him back. Yeah, in. that's right. Most of the top 100 do have Tedesco in their sides as well. They're, you know, and that's that's one of the other points as well that's really good. I think everybody in the top 10 owns Tedesco. So if you think Teddy's killed your season, everyone in the top 10 has him. Um, and the other thing too, as far as the matchups, you know, this week against the Storm, the round eight game last year against the Storm, Teddy scored 108 points. Uh, he can put on tons against anybody. I don't think anyone can pick when he's going to do it. Um, certainly, he 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 will go better against the worst teams, and he's shown that. But he does step up against the bad, te- the the really good teams as well. So you know he could go well this week with a ton. It could happen. He did it last year against the Storm. Might take him a little bit to gel with um, the new structure as well. I mean, you know what it's like when you got a new fullback trying to sweep and and. and and get to know a uh, new halves combination. I mean, it's basically what's happened. And I know it's not exactly a new team. Like, he's been training with these bugs for a while. But he's been training... I'm sure he hasn't been training with uh, Walker and, and Co. as much as he has been with um, uh, Kiri and Co. before those injuries, mate. So it might take him a week or two to sort of... A, a bit longer to gel with those guys. But um, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be too concerned about it, particularly with how with Walker. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Walker's looking really good now. Uh, and one of the things that Trent Robertson does is that he still plays to the same sort of structures and everybody kind of knows it. So I don't think they've really changed that much. It just might not be quite as slick. Uh, maybe he doesn't get the ball once or twice when he wants it, but I think the difference is pretty minimal uh, and you're going to see Teddy bust out. It's Every week that he doesn't score a ton, he's going to be closer to doing it. Uh, and you can be a little bit too clever sometimes with players in general, thinking that you can get one gun out for a few weeks and he, you know, put another one in there that's going to score really well for a couple and then change it back out in five weeks' time and get that guy back and then do the same thing over here. It, it's very hard to to pull off perfectly with multiple players. So, and even just with one, one spot at fullback, it's quite hard to do. As Billy's example showed last year when he tried to do it with Valentine Holmes, uh, it sort of, it seemed to make sense and it didn't end up working. So, you just got to be careful not to get burned because guys like James Tedesco will burn you with a big score. Uh, they're not going to burn you with a you know a, a back row of going over for a try and getting 85 points. They you know they could burn you with 180 points. At least it's making him affordable again next year. <laughs> uh, by the end of the year, if he's averaging 95, he's going to be priced at the same anyway for next year. So, uh, look, I'm I'm pretty big on holding him just because you know we've already had three weeks where he's been subpar on his average. So the chances are getting higher and higher week by week that he's going to go well. And against the Dragons a week after this, I'm 90% confident he's going to hit a ton, but we'll talk about that next week. Let's move along. Um, Some of the other guys are interesting on this list as well. So when we're moving past Teddy, down on number 9 and 10, we have two gun back rowers being traded out. 
two very different scenarios though. So Mitch Barnett has had a phenomenal season. He's at 600,000 at the moment. He's just gone up to a 92 BE. He's in 23% of teams. So I think he started off at 3 or 4% round one. And then he gradually built himself up to be a very popular back row choice. He's averaged 79 points for the season. So he's absolutely killed it. But teams are starting to go cold on on Mitch Barnett. Um, and the reason is because I think he lost his kicking last week with the return of Caelan Ponga. That's probably going to remain the case. Uh, he scored 53 points last week. That wasn't fantastic, certainly below his average and everything else. But I think the silver lining is that the week before, you know, he scored 75 points with only taking one or two of the goals, I believe. Um, he did hand over some of the goal kicking that game. And his average, you know, goes down around about 11 points from his 79 down to sort of a mid to high 60s average anyway, even without the goal kicking. So he's playing a Cronulla side that I think they can give him some points on the edge. He was probably unlucky not to get some attack against the Gold Coast Titans. But when your range is 53 to 105, even if that takes out the goal kicking out of that, and, you know, he's playing how well Barnett has been playing, I'm going to be holding him for sure as an owner. Um, I certainly think he's playing round 13, and I'm putting him in one of those boats like... You know, I said with the Brian Toto example earlier that he's not a guy that I got in to make money. He's a guy I got in to score points, and he's doing that, and he's playing around 13. I just think with guys like Ricky Benched and Tessie New gone into reserve grade, you know, there's so many other options to trade out other than trading a Barnett. I have to think that maybe these teams are... It's the only way to getting a David Fafita in, perhaps. If it's your only way that Dave's for feet, I understand that. But any other trader wouldn't be doing it. Um, number one, yeah, it's the um, buy coverage. Um, probably one of the better guys for buy coverage. Uh, number two, um, you can start in your team every week. Number three, yeah, he's losing goal kicking, but average 67 in 2019 in all games on the edge. That was minus. That was pre-COVID rules. Post-COVID rules, you've got the faster team and, and balls in play, an extra 7%. So add an extra 7% at basically 0.8 ppm. You're looking at, what, an extra five points per game. So he's going to go up to a 70, 72 average based off that, and that's without the goal kicking. Um, I've got no dramas having him, uh, particularly based on the fact that they, they got a bit of a touch-up last week, didn't really score any points, and he was still the highest scorer in his team, basically, work rate um, apart from what... Jaden Bradley, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so for a guy to score, what, 50-odd points in a team that got a touch-up, that now has their full their fullback back and is an attacking guy on the left edge with a high work rate, I've got no problems with him at all, mate. Just going to leave him there. I'm kind of glad people are selling him. Yeah, I am too, because he's he's looked really likely in attack on, on some of those edge plays and stuff. I mean, the only other thing is that Fitzgibbon's due back soon, so perhaps, you know, he does shift to the middle for some minutes. Fitzgibbon's not going to start, though. I think he's going to be coming off the bench and maybe shifts Barnett to the middle, but that still should be fine for him with the extra work rate. I, look, against the Sharks this week, I actually think he's a really good play. Like, I'd I'd want to be playing him this week against the Sharks, and if he ends up scoring 65 and you lose, you know, 20K or something, you, you just take that hit just for the crack at a big score. Yeah. If he doesn't score 65 every week, don't, don't be concerned. He'll go 51, 55, 85. It's still an average of 76. Sorry, uh, 67 or 72, whatever it is. I wouldn't be worried about it yep. at all. And look, to play devil's advocate and look at both sides of it, if you didn't need to trade Mitch Barnett, I think it's after this week that you do it. Even if you have to cop a 20, 25K 
downgrading his price point. Um, you've got a chance against the Sharks at home for the Newcastle Knights for him to score really well. And then he does hit a hard run where he does have Penrith, Roosters, Canberra, and both Penrith and Canberra are away in that three-week run. So that's not going to be a good three weeks for the Knights. They're playing three potential top four or five teams. That's going to be really bad. Um, so certainly, if you if you think that you have to trade him, I would try and wait a week and trade him next week if you're going to do it. After that, though, you know the reason why he's going to be so good running into that buy is because running into it, round 10, he's got the Tigers then the Cowboys, then Manly, and then Power in the buy round where they're going to be missing a couple of forwards. You know, that's that's a really good run and buy coverage for you. The Tigers, Cowboys, and Manly all have really suspect edges, which Barnett's going to be licking his lips at. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't score one or two tries just in that three-week run as it is, and that would make his money back even if he has a quiet three weeks before it. But yeah, if you do feel like selling him, Billy, uh, I think that you do it after this week before he hits that harder run, and, and that's probably a better time. Yeah, mate, and in that Eels game, like, Eels could quite conceivably have RCG, Brown, and Junior Paul out for Origin. Um, Madison probably be concussed still, and Isaiah Papali uh, will be on one side, and he'll be he'll probably be running at um at Sean Lane, like uh, Lane Duck, so probably score 160 versus the Eels there too. So it's a five game run. Yeah, it is. It's a, there's some good games there um, for the Newcastle Knights after that hard three weeks. Madison's number 10. He's in a completely different scenario. So, you know, Madison was my favourite forward coming into this year. Uh, I made no secret of that in the preseason. I'm not going to renege on what I said um, because we haven't gotten to see him yet and you can't predict injury. You know, he obviously got a concussion round two and he's been out since. But it's a real hard one for me, Billy. I'm not even sure what I would do because I feel like if I wanted to trade Madison, I would have just done it straight away which is what I did. Um, as soon as he got concussed, I traded him thinking that it's going to be two weeks out. It's now, you know, a, a bit more than that out, and we're coming into round six after he's missed three games in a row, and we thought he was going to play last week, and he got pulled out at the last minute. You know, but you have to think that if you held him this long, it would be really hard for me to trade him. You know what I mean? Like, I sort of just want to keep going with it because I'd feel like I've wasted the last three weeks holding him if he's going to come out here and play this week. And I'm going to want to buy him again in two weeks' time anyway. You know, you've already got him. I think a lot of teams, again, have a lot of other pieces that they need to trade out before Madison, maybe. So he's certainly become a pod, that's for sure. He's become a pod, all right, although his um, he's, he's, uh, break-even is pretty high. So you can probably take that into the equation, too. Um, I mean, if you've held this long, you've held for, you've held for a significant volume of your cap for a while, so... Maybe you do want to play him. Um, he's only in seven percent of teams, mate. I'm, like everybody's jumped ship. I'm, I'm surprised there's even two percent of teams left that are jumping ship this yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. But he, his value earlier in the season was basically his extremely high floor. But he wasn't really like a. He's not really a David Fafita like a massive ton yep. guy. So if you keep him in your team, it's basically a lot of coin just for a guaranteed floor and an extra sort of you know um, ten or fifteen points maybe. Um, and Moses, Moses being on that side, I think was one of the reasons for a few people getting him thinking, you know, Moses would be a little bit better on that side and giving him some short ball, but we haven't really seen that come to fruition yet. So, um, look, even if I had him, I'd probably still use, use him to upgrade elsewhere, but 
if you've held him this long, you probably want to maybe at least have one one crack at the pod, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, he does have a, a 126 BE, so you're going to be getting you're going to be getting some price drops. But look, I when I dropped him for the round three games, I was looking ahead to round seven, saying I want him in round seven. You know, round seven he hits the Broncos, and then he hits the Bulldogs, both notoriously weak edges for super coach points. So Broncos and Bulldogs round seven and eight is golden. They hit the Roosters, which is a bit tougher, and then they hit New Zealand Warriors, Manly Seagulls, South with a hard one, and then Newcastle in the bye. He's a guy that plays round 13 as well. I 100% think that he's not playing Origin, and 100% I want him for round 13. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually probably going to trade him in round 7. He's probably a target. If he plays this week and gets through it and he's fine, he's going to be a trade-in for me round 7. Yeah, look, I think the target should be um, him and Marnie from the Eels with, with, with that draw. Um, obviously, wouldn't be bringing him in this week. Probably, I'd probably give him a couple of weeks with the... Uh, with the concussion, to see how he goes, and probably go Mahoney first, mate. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's an interesting conundrum because obviously teams are frustrated. They haven't had him for what's going to be a month um, up until game time, and look, it's it's a harder game against Canberra. So I understand teams cutting bait. I just would consider all those other factors as well that he is playing round thirteen. He does have a really good draw after this week, for the most part, leading up until that buy as well. So you might want him down the track. That's for sure. Let's have a look at the trade-in players quickly. So Ben Condon is the number one trade-in player. 11.4% of teams are bringing him in. He is almost bottom dollar, 186000 for Condon. And, you know, he has been starting the last two weeks for the Cowboys, and he's been named again this week to start there, despite uh, Mitchell Dunn coming back as well. Now, 35 points in round four in 80 minutes. Not very good. 62 points against the Tigers, pretty good, but it included a line break try and he went down to 49 minutes. We don't really have a handle on what his minutes are going to look like, but he does play a Bulldogs edge this week that's pretty good for him and he comes in with a minus 28 BE. So he ticks the price point box for a downgrade. He ticks the BE box. Um, he is starting against good opposition. So, I mean, if you were really thin and there's some teams that, you know, have lost five, six players this team list because it's just been brutal. You know, maybe you need to play someone like him. He does have a decent opposition. Um, how do you view him as the number one most traded player as far as cash cows go? Are you having a look at him? No, no interest at all. I'd much rather go straight to straight to Simpkins, mate. A guy that's guaranteed to get um, a price increase, um, a guy that you can actually play with confidence, a guy that's going to play in the middle. He's been absolutely killing it in the lower grades. <clears throat> I know he's only I know he's only young, but wraps on him been on him for a while. I'd, I'd probably even prefer to go like a Sean Bloor than a bloke like um um yeah than, than the Queensland fella because yeah you might have like a negative twenty odd break even, but if he scores thirty five points, you can make fifteen grand, and then what? Stuck with a guy that's going to score you thirty five points with a with a twenty break even? No thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit more positive on him than what you are. Um, only because, like, I think... I agree with you with what you're saying with Simpkins, but they are different positions. So, I mean, someone's going to... A lot of teams are going to be doing the the Condon trade because they need to get a forward out rather than a hooker. Uh, or they can't do the hooker part of it. So, Bloor, I actually already own. Um, I do think that he's going to be the better player. So, if you don't need to have the depth in your team, then I think that works. Um, but... 
I think the the thing that's going to cancel him out for some of these teams that are bringing him in is that they're going to need to potentially play him. Um, I've seen many teams which are scraping for 17 this week, um, or maybe they only have 18 or 19 and they know that they're going to need to maybe play someone next week. You know, that's the sort of thing where I'd say he, he makes more sense than like a blorp perhaps because you're going to need that depth to play. It's I'm in the position myself. Like I can I can use my team as an example. Where my second row is decimated at the moment because I've had to make trades to plug holes, and my second row. I basically knew coming into this week that I was probably going to have to make a trade to give myself a second rower there because I ended up Satili Tipanua was one of my three starting second rowers last week, and that was just for last week. And I ended up biting the bullet and getting rid of Satili when he got benched. And I got a back in for it. So I knew that I was going to have to get a forward in this week. Now, you know, I've got the conundrum myself where it's, do I get a forward in like Condon and have to play someone like him um, as my 17th man? Or do I not upgrade in a really good spot that can get me bulk points, like maybe, you know, a 100-plus type of score as a Panther coming into my back line or something like that, like a Luai or something? Um, you know, it's it's a pretty hard decision to make, but I can see why people are going down to a condon. If you have to downgrade in your second row forward, I think that it's okay. Your expectations just have to be in check that maybe he only makes you fifty grand over the next two or three weeks, and then you got to cull him. You know, that's that's probably going to be the floor for him. Honestly, one move which I would make if I were um, one of the what thirty or twenty five percent capable owners out there. I'd be getting rid of someone like Ricky or someone in your second row that you need to get rid of. Move Capewell up to the second row, bringing in a guy like Kelly. Kelly's got a 45, 47 uh, floor, absolutely insane draw coming up, sitting sitting on Tino's pocket. I'd, I'd, I'd just move him up to your second row for now. Use that as the plug. Penrith have a great draw. Maybe maybe he continues that that rubbish streak, falls out of line a couple times, or at least gives you some 45, 50 points as a plug, and you bring in a gun like Kelly, who's who's um, going to play the buyers and, and, and start going ballistic soon. Yeah, so Kelly's an interesting one, because he's not even in the top 10, uh, but he's certainly a really good shout, um, and I, I, a lot of coaches are having a look at him. He's probably better than some of the centre wings that are being brought in at the moment. He, he would be my number one pick this week if it wasn't for Favita. Oof. My number one pick is the guy that's um, third on this list as far as, you know, centre wings go, and that's Brian Toto. You know, there's still a lot of teams that don't own him. Six and a half percent of teams are trading him in at the moment. 592,000, he's my number one. He's been my number one a few weeks, so yeah, he's in 20% of teams at the moment. He's averaging 77 points for this season so far, but it's obviously the fact that he's got that insane base base attack with his lowest score of 55 and he's coming up against a Broncos side that he could easily score a double. Like, I think that he's going to turn up this week. I think there's a really good shot at it. So Brian Tyre is the third most traded in player, Billy, against the Broncos this week. Break even at 26. I'd be all over that if I didn't already own Tyre. Oh, if you don't own him. <laughs> well, that's 80% of coaches, mate. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'm all good down there. Well... The other guy that's an absolute must, I think, is Sam Walker for this week. Uh, and certainly if you can do Sam Walker and Brian Toto, if you don't own them, that's that's banging two trades, one with a downgrade and one with an upgrade to Toto. But Sam Walker, 10.5% of teams, Billy, bringing him in. He's looked as good as any half that's debuted for Supercoach. You know, he's coming in now with an 85 average across his first two games. 
He's already in 51% of teams. He's got a minus 106 BE, which at the moment is the best BE that anyone's had all season. And I, from what I've seen, you know, I don't see him getting a lot worse. I think that he's going to score really well for Supercoach. Probably not going to average 80s, but I think that he could average 60 plus and be a gun for sure. I don't know how every team isn't getting him in. Yep. See, this is the value of having some nuffs. And yes, I will admit that we've gotten a little bit lucky and that there's been uh, some decimation and some, and some injuries in order to happen. But um, there's absolute value in having a couple of nuffs early in the season because, number one, it gives you the opportunity to, you know, loot people like sort of Latrell or Teddy or Pappen or, pa- or Pappen Houston early. Um, it gives you extra, extra 150, 200 coin, maybe even 300 coin to muck around with rather than having to have someone like, um, you know, Kieran or Moses as a backup half, which has proven to be an absolute waste. And um, uh, thirdly, I can't remember what the third one was, but I'm sure it was a pretty good point also. <laughs> well, it's always going to be good points when it's bringing in Sam Walker. He, you've got to get him in. If you're not getting him in, like, he is potentially the cash cow of the year. And you cannot oh, yeah, that, miss that those was, guys. Yeah, that, that was the other thing. Like, Guys like him and Suwali are supposedly you know, guns, and they're in what the, the most attacking teams in the comp. I got I was able to play him last week and get the 94 points, and also this week I don't have to worry about it's one less trade I have to make, so I can get two guns in or another cashy and a gun. Well, I wouldn't have been able to do that um, if I had someone else there because I wouldn't have had enough money to downgrade to to get Fafita, so I'd be out Walker. I'd be out either Walker or Fafita or both this week. Yeah, and look, I, that's why, you know, at the start of the season, me and Billy and some of the podcasts were talking about starting with nuffs that you know are going to play. Uh, and Sam Walker, I was pretty big on. I didn't take my own advice, which I'm kicking myself for, but I traded in Sam Walker last week anyway. So, you know, they, you, you just have to get him in. Oh, whoever your second halfback is, get him into your side. That should be your first trade this week if you don't own Sam Walker. And then figure out what your next one is afterwards. The other guys getting traded in at the moment, Billy... David Fafita is an obvious one, 6.5% of teams. 754000 though, you know, you're paying 185 k over where he was at before when he started round one. He's in 39% of teams now, so now he's heavily owned. He's got a 42 BE, but coming up against a manly side, you know, I, I really like the upcoming draw, um, and three out of his starting five games have been tons. You know, he's gone 60... 105, 112, 88, and 147. He's been on fire. He's got Manly, Souths, Broncos, Tigers in the next month. You know, three out of the four of those games are absolute carves up, carve ups for David Fafita. He's, I, he's going to get another two tons in the next month the way he's playing. So sometimes I would say to people, You've missed your boat paying 755000 for a second row forward that you've let slip week after week. You know, you're probably having to rip your team apart too much to get that to happen. With Fafida this year, how he's playing and his draw, I can't say that people shouldn't be doing it. In fact, I think they should be. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, case in point, Stefano versus TKO, as opposed to Ricky versus... Uh... What do you call it? Um, for feeder. I think I know where I'm going to take my chances, mate. Sometimes you just got to do it. And to go, the guys like Rachel, he, 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 as soon as there's a, less than five defenders in front of him, you just start shooting yourself because you know there's going to be two or three tackle busts plus a H8. And if he doesn't get through the line, that's basically 10 points per run. 
Yeah, and one of the things with him is that he has been scoring a lot of tries, you know, and that's you have to mention that. And sometimes with forwards, you you're going to say that's not particularly sustainable. And look, he's yeah, not going to he's doing it. Yeah, he is, and he's not going to score three tries every every round. Like against Newcastle, he had three line breaks, two offloads, you know, approaching thirty tackles. He had eight tackle breaks as well. You know, he's just. He he just makes it look very, very easy. But one of the things that has been there all year and isn't going to go anywhere is his tackle breaks and offloads have been huge. And, we, you know, I spoke a bit on that last week. They're near the top of the league. But he's going to keep scoring tries against the weaker sides. And he's got that run up until the bye, at least, where the majority of the teams the Titans are playing are really soft. So the tries will dry up, but I don't think they're going to dry up in the first half of this season with the draw that's there. Yeah, it's just frustrating because sometimes you can be too clever for your own good. I mean, you look at us pre-season, like, I don't know, how, I can't remember what your thought process on it was, but I remember talking about it and we, we agreed that, look, he has a low floor but relies on tries. So the reason why we didn't buy him is because I didn't want to bank on him having to score, you know, one every two weeks to get a 75 average. I sure as shit wasn't banking on him having you know, sort of 1.2 tries per week and having 10 tackle busts a game and just absolutely carving up every single week. I mean, that didn't see that coming at all. So he's yeah he's now he's now he's now he's down that zone where you just you just got to get him, mate. Yeah, but I mean, look, this is one of the things where people need to realise that round one buys are very different to in season buys, uh, and I don't mean to sound like I'm backtracking, you know, there's there's plenty of things that I made mistakes on pre-season that didn't pay off for me. You know, Mitchell Moses didn't end up scoring very well uh, to start off the season in the draw. That was a mistake, you know. I did warn you about that one. I told you he shit. The, 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 <laughs> my, it was all you. about the run. I just wanted a month, but, you know, there was a lot of issues with that one as well. You can't predict HAs and whatever, but, yeah, you know, I know. the point is, though, but, like, there's, there's guys like Fafita where it's still, even if you go back, the decision process for round one is still right. You know, I I said similar to you. He's coming into a new team. We don't know how he's going to gel, how they're going to fit him. And he's got a, a quite a low base where his raw base is around 40. You know, he's going to have points in the 40s in some games. And I'm not going to pay, I think it was 530,000 odd to do that for round one when there's so many other good options to spend on. You know, and the, for round one, it's fine. And I think both of us said, if he starts carving up, and this is the case with a lot of those type of guys, you know, if he starts carving up, you know, we've got a bit of information then once we see a couple of games, you can make your decision then. You know, and I made my decision a few weeks ago and got him in. You know, it didn't matter about how I felt about him round one. You could see watching this year, the Titans are going for him. They're giving him good ball. The structure's really working for him and they're putting him in really good spots to succeed. And he's a great attacking player and he's got a really good draw that they're capitalising on. Like, some of the stuff you don't know round one, but when you do know it, the key is just to make sure that you use that information and you move forward with it. Yeah, classic example. Like, that one might not have paid off, but I think we all, I also made fun of Thurgo. Like, the guy's absolute garbage, but he's just gone on a bit of a tear. But he's a little bit different to, you know, Fafita because you can, you can almost guarantee he's going to come back to earth with some 35s, whereas yep. the, the other fellow's likely to keep going the way he's playing. Yeah, and look, Fafita will throw in a 44. Like, it'll be coming. Maybe it'll be against South or Penrith in the next sort of six or seven weeks. Where Yeah, it'll be 144, mate. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he'll, he'll have one of those lower games. But, you know, the way his draws worked out, because he's not, you know, like that 
that power run that we said where they've got three hard games in a row, well, sorry, the Newcastle run where they've got a few hard games in a row, um, yeah, the draw for Titans doesn't have that. So he might bust out a 44 or something for a week and then he's going to hit a ton the next week or he's going to hit an 80 or something. You know, it's, it's how the draws worked out well for them as well. Um, let's move on because the next one is Isaiah Papali'i for, for your uh, para eels. 530,000. I'm slightly perplexed about this one. So at the moment, from what we know, Madison is playing this week. Now, obviously it changed at the last minute last week. You'd hope that it's not going to this week. Maybe it does. Papali'i has a minus 7 BE. He has played pretty well off the bench still. Um, he's gone 64, 54, 58. 93-109. Killed it the last two weeks. Um, that 93 is going to drop out of his average after this week. And certainly if Madison plays, you know, even if he's playing well, he's probably going to be sort of, you know, low 50s as an average off the bench, which isn't going to make much money. And his BE is going to go up pretty high pretty quickly. He's obviously not a buy, but um, if you own him, I'd still be holding on, holding on to him for another week, at least knowing that um, yeah, he's... If he goes back to the bench, he's still going to be, he's still going to be playing that middle role, um, and he's got a soft draw coming up. So I'd be inclined to even sort of hold him and play him an extra sort of one to two weeks and just see how he scores coming off the bench. And if he's still punching 55s, then make a decision whether to eject or not and upgrade upgrade him um, because you probably couldn't hold him at his price tag for a 55 average for sort of six weeks. But, um, yeah, but I wouldn't be buying him though. Look, as 5.7% of teams are bringing him in, I, I just, I don't really get it. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about the holding. Oh, God, no, I'm not buying him. I think you're insane, guys. <laughs> There's the reaction I was thinking I was going to get. Um, Doro Peach is the next one, and he's a really controversial one too, because he's playing really good footy. He's 489,000 now, so he's starting to get a bit expensive. Um, he's not highly owned, as you would expect, so. He's only in 3% of teams. So, ultimate pod, 65.8 average. He played 80 minutes last week, and that was predominantly through some injuries that occurred. Um, they had to move a few guys around. Sammy got, I think, 7th minute head knock gone. So, that changed everything, and he ended up playing big minutes. Scored 101 points. Now, people's memories are very short, because the week before he was starting at 13, he scored 36 points against Canberra. Uh, before that, he went 79, 58, 55. And we said a couple of weeks ago in this podcast, his minutes starting aren't really much better than when he's on the bench. And that seems to be his role. I understand that you can put him in your centre wing, Billy. Uh, and I understand, you know, his base has been pretty solid. He's sort of been around a 40 uh, base for the year so far. But he's not going to play 80 minutes like last week. Even the week before he played 58 minutes was 36, but he started the week before that as well and only played 43 minutes. His minutes just seem to be too low where he's not going to get attacked some weeks and you're going to get a 36. And for almost $500,000, you may as well buy an actual center wing for a hundred grand less that can have, you know, the upside that he has. Yeah. I think the best analogy to use is he's probably like an 80 minute cake well probably going to get you maybe sort of 0.6 ppm and you're hoping he falls over the line. This guy's more like a, you know, sort of 0.8, 0.9 ppm, but um, purely because he's going to play middle, but then he's going to come on the, uh, come off for a bit just when you think he's going to punch up a big score. Or if they have injuries, he's going to go to center three quarter. He's missed to fix it, but he's not going to play full game. Yeah, I'm, 
I'm really worried about bringing him in. He's got to be in mid forties as well. So I mean, you're not even going to make money out of doing it. Um, I think. I think he's probably more of an astute purchase, like the week before Origin, because you know, if if the feed is out and Tino's out, um, pro- he probably gets what the full game then. Maybe um, you can maybe pa- uh, play him for a soft game prior the, the week prior in your Simmons free quarter. He can he probably he more than likely gets a few extra minutes the week after Origin too if they're going to rest. Um, if they're going to rest uh, Tino or maybe give him, you know, a, a little bit less than what he normally gets. So who knows, mate? I, I think he's probably a good two, two or three week rotation around that buy period, but that'd be about it. Yeah, look, it's it's also one of those things where it, we've seen this from him before, and he's never come through with the goods. You know, like he's, even at the start of this year, the first two weeks he was coming off the bench. You know, he's had three games starting, but that's that's directly correlated with Mo Fotoeka going to the bench, a, a really good player who, outside of the purchases they've just made in Tino and David Fafida, was their best forward. Yeah. I, it, Peachy's a couple of bad games away from Mo Fotoeka coming back in, Tino getting pushed back to 13 like he started yeah. round one and two, and you got a bench player wasn't for 100,000. Um, like, there's just so many flags. Wasn't, um, isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't, Peaches seem to have his biggest games when there's injuries and halves and he goes to play sort of 65, 70 minutes at six. Oh, look, he can have big games like that. And certainly even with some of these games, like, you know, he had a big game on the weekend and he didn't even go to the halves. Like, he was just... He got to play 80 minutes and I think that he just got to yeah, get just, a lot of ball where he's making yeah, he plays just, happen. He's, he's more like a Jack White and like he gets his hand on the ball um, as a playmaker and he runs. Or if he's at lock, he's obviously making hit-ups and... And runs, but he just seems to be popping up thereabouts and, and wanting to sneak through those gaps. That's where his points come from. Gets through one every now and then with a couple of tackle busts, and there you go. All of a sudden, there's 16 points. Yeah, look, if he's playing 60 to 65 minutes, then sure, for your centre wing, have a look at it. But he's only done that once in the five games, which was last week, and it was because of injury. You know, so it, it's just it, the minutes aren't there, the opportunity's going to dry up. Uh, I I really don't like it as a trade-in. At his price, he's probably going to lose money shortly. Some of the other guys after Peachy that are getting traded in, though, are a little bit better. So Latrell Mitchell, 2.6% of team, 625000 He's had a bumper year. Deserves massive props. He's got a BE of 18, only owned by 22% of teams. Round 5 score of 138 points. An average of 93 points, only about 3 points behind where Tedesco is. He's had a, a, an awesome season. Um, he's also got two out of five that have been tons. But I think the biggest thing for him, Billy, is that his lowest score is 67. So he's got a range of 67 to 138. We haven't seen that floor that he's been notorious with. He put 117 points on the Storm, put 67 on the Sydney Roosters. The other three games have been a bit easier, but the draw hasn't really mattered much to him. So I really like him as a trade-in. Um, but the problem is that if teams are doing it, they're doing it at the expense of a Pappenhausen or a Tedesco. Uh, so I, that's the thing I can't get my head around. But in a vacuum, he's a fantastic buy, and I really like him at the moment. Yeah, who would have thought him putting on weight in the off-season would have been good? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's his normal training regime, so it's just, not like it's the first time. He just seems to roll straight through all these. Uh, the guys certainly are free. Um, I, I don't agree with Mundine that he's the best player in the game at the moment, but I do think he's a... Uh, one powerhouse, one powerhouse of a player. 
number eight and nine, Jerome Luai and Charlie Staines, two Penrith Panthers that people are getting in for obvious reasons. Um, really good draw this week against the Broncos. Let's start off with Charlie Staines, though, Billy. Um, now, Staines is a guy that was popular to start with, but he's now 340000 He's gone up 54000 on his starting price, finally, for the, the teams that own him. Um, and he's done that because he just had an 85 score in round five. But he comes in with a one break even this week playing the Broncos. So I guess I kind of get it. Um, he could he could go well and score a double again this week and end up with another 80 score, and he's going to make a fair bit of cash. So I certainly see the benefit of doing it. 340,000 is a little bit richer than what I'd probably want. Um, and I, this is probably a really good example of, of looking ahead. Um, so this week they've got a really good game against the Broncos. Against the Knights, it might be a little bit tougher, uh, where maybe he throws up, you know, his quintessential 12 points in his hit-ups. But after that, they do have Manly, Sharks, Titans. So I guess you can say that they've got a pretty good five weeks. So maybe someone like Charlie Staines is worth spending 340 k on, especially if you're downgrading someone or, or maybe you need to move new on to actually play someone this week. If you don't own him for some reason. <laughs> and uh, if you can, if that's your sort of um, your, your price region, then yeah, I'd, I'd be getting him in. The fact that they've got the really soft draw, I think he's probably uh, at least good for a bit more involvement. I've got less of a concern of him this week than what I would have um, seven days ago. Yeah, if their round one draw started this week, um, you'd, I would have been much happier to think about starting him um, because they do have a pretty good five-week run coming now. Some of these other Panthers, uh, Jerome Luai has been absolutely blitzing it. You know, He's only in 13% teams and... I really did not think in the preseason that he was going to play this well, so full credit to him. Jerome has improved his game out of sight year on year for a couple of years in a row now, averaging 85 points a game. He is the number one ranked 5'8 for Supercoach. Got a high score of 128, a low score of 46, and coming up, hitting this really plum draw. 79, 128, 46, 94, 79. Only one score below 79 out of his five starting games, Billy, and that was against the Storm. You know, with the opposition coming up and him only costing 636,000, he looks fantastic. A bit too much money for me, but um, I put him in the, um, the same boat as Walker. Walker's an absolute gun, but scored two tries and a try assist for an 85. Luai is basically in the same boat, mate. Looks really, really dangerous. Um, scores a try, has a whole bunch of you know, forced, forced dropouts, has a linebacker assist. You come to the end of the game thinking, like, killed it, looking for, you know, sort of 120 score, and he's on 70. So that one game where he had, what, 120 or 130, whatever it was, mate, that was just absolute masterclass. It was an absolutely brilliant sort of game for him. Um, but... I think players like him don't have sort of half a dozen of those per season. They might have one or two. I think you can expect him to go on a really good tear and like have a great run, but you're going to be relying on him setting up two or at least a couple and going over himself in order to maintain that sort of 75 average. So I mean, at that, that sort of price, I'm inclined to lay him for now and just get him closer to the buy. You know, I've been really quite down on having him, but I'm now like fully on board the, the Luai train. Like, I think he deserves to be the number one ranked 5'8". And I'm someone who brought in Cameron Munster a couple of weeks ago. 
And Munster's been solid, but he's kind of averaging 70 without much deviation. You know, he's not getting big scores. And look, hopefully they'll come for Munster, but Luai's already doing it. You know, he also had a 94 against the Dogs a couple, a couple of weeks before his 128 score against Manly. And he's got a plum draw coming up. And he plays around 13 where you'd hope that Cody Walker gets, gets picked for number six for New South Wales because then Luai gets to run the show in that bye round without Nathan Cleary. And I think you're laughing for the next six weeks. So, Oh, I'll 100% own him, own him over the bye period. I just think if I had to choose a 5'8", I'd much rather get Munster because I know he's going to average 75 doing nothing, whereas Luai has to create three or four things per week in order to maintain. Yep. And he's already playing out of his skin for basically an extra, what, seven-point average on Munster, whatever it is. Yeah, well, look, he's certainly played out of his skin, that's for sure. And I could see Munster and Cody Walker both overtaking him. At 13% ownership, though, I, I quite like it as a play um, to trade him in because he's going to play that first buy too. So I like the long term as well on him. But the last guy we're going to talk about is the ultimate pod, Billy. Corey Thompson. I don't think we've spoken about him once on the podcast all year. We pride ourselves on doing a deep dive and talking about plays that no one else talks about sometimes. So I'm upset that we didn't talk about Corey Thompson, but he's 532000 so he's not cheap, but he's made 111000 on his starting price point, comes in with only a 24 BE, 2% of teams, and people are going to say, why are we looking at Corey Thompson? Maybe some people have not noticed his numbers. He is coming off 104 points against Newcastle, but he's a centre wing that has not scored below 59. He's gone from round one onwards, 68 points, 59, 73, 67, 104. He has been a mountain of consistency in centre wing that has gone largely unnoticed. And all of a sudden, a couple of centre teams are starting to notice him. And they're actually bringing him in over much more favoured, bigger names. His base has actually been around 30 as well, which for a raw base has been solid. Um, But he's been getting a heap of tackle breaks as well, just with how he plays. He's really sort of getting towards that sort of Tupo type of area where his his base base attack is getting him into the 40s, the same as Fergo. Um, and certainly like a, a very poor, poor men's Brian Toto, where his base base attack has been there and he's scoring the tries as well. But it has to be said, he's scored six tries in five games. Uh, that's pretty hard to sustain. Low scores considering he's scored quite a few tries. But their draw's fantastic. And he is going to play that round 13 by as well. So... I would like to talk people out of it, Billy, because, you know, Corey Thompson, I just, I can't get behind it too much. He's got three years before this where he's gone 48, 48, 44 points a game. So 74 just seems way out of possibility. But up until this buy, he's got a really good draw. So, you know, he, he might be one of those ones that just keeps kicking on for half a season. Oh, he will. It's not out of possibility. That, that Titans team is doing a lot more. So it's basically allowing him to shine. Um, yes, he's been scoring a double uh, a couple of weeks in a row, or, or, or at least sort of one one try per week consistently. But I think he has a team to do it. So, look, worst case scenario, he goes back to that thirty-five, forty base. Yes, it's a poor man's Brian Tillo, but at the price, the guy's kind of doing pretty well. So, um, he's probably a pod play. I, I personally would wait until the buys to have him. Um, but if you want a pod run, risk reward, mate. Let's move on to the games. So Broncos versus Panthers is the first one. And there is a mountain of changes for the Broncos. So I don't want to go on too much of a Barnsley rant, but 
if ever ever anyone wanted to know whether Kevin Walters knew what he was doing or not, you know, the la- the chopping and changing the last couple of weeks and how he's been managing that team and the rotations, and he he looks like he has no idea. And I think that this looks pretty desperate. He's dropped Anthony Milford. Um, the new halves are Dearden and Croft, which I don't know if they're better than Milford, even though that Milford has played poorly. Tessie knew, I thought, has probably been the best person in that back line. Um, I thought that he's looked dangerous with the ball. He's done some really good things, and he's been dropped. Um, ben Teo is out for 12 weeks. Jordan Ricky as well, has made some defensive decisions that have been poor, but I wouldn't say it's been a lot worse than most of the rest of the side, and he's been dropped to the bench as well. So a lot of changes for the Broncos, Billy. I don't think that it's going to yield results. I really don't like what I'm seeing from them. Um, but as far as you know, a, a player to watch out of the Broncos side for this one, Tavita Pangai Jr. has been moved back to an edge. As we know, he's an absolute gun on the edge. He's got a really big 100-plus BE coming in, and he has been playing a lot of minutes, but I'm, I'm watching him in this one because in two weeks' time, I'm really going to be wanting to look to buy him if he hits sort of that 450K mark after dropping bulk cash. Yeah, he's a, certainly a watch. Um they just they chop and change so much, but you never know when he's going to go back to the bench. But at that price, if he pumps out like an 80, 85 and plays the full game by moving into the middle or even just staying on the edge for the full game, but and and maybe Ricky goes to the other side, oh, I can't see that happening. I think to be, surely Tavita has to go through through the middle. Hey, yeah, you think they'd rotate him through? Um, one of the things that it does do is that I think it makes Ricky. It does make Ricky a new definite sells. Um, they're they're probably both dead now, and you need to get them out of your side. Yeah, I mean the the gun watch on this one is Peyton Haas in the middle. He's he's gone 55 and 70 points his first two games. He's got 123 BE, so he's looking like he's going to start to lose some cash. How many minutes and, did he go well, last week? That's the thing. He played 66 minutes last week and 69 the, the week before. And Kevy came out in the preseason and said he's not going to play more than 60. So, again, more evidence that Walters does not know what he's doing because he's playing him eight more minutes a game than what he said his max playing time was going to be. But that's gold for Supercoach. You know, if if he can go 60s in the next two weeks in a row and drop 50K, Payne Haas is going to be a big watch in this one as well and what his minutes are going to be in his output. In Kevy's defence, mate, he might not have been playing on them being this rubbish and all of a sudden had to play him for that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure coaches uh, have a re- have a reason for reason for everything, mate. Mate, if if you're going to a, a Broncos side that just got the spoon and you didn't expect them to be that bad, I, I think that <laughs> the blame has to be solely on you. <laughs> I'm staying out of this one, mate. <laughs> No VC or captaincy options in this one on that side. But on the Panthers side, there's a plethora of options. So when we're looking at pod, gun, and captaincy for the Panthers, pod, I'm going to talk about a guy that I'm considering bringing in for new, and that is Stephen Crichton. Now, hear me out on it, Billy. I'm going to say right up front, there is nothing in his performances this year, numbers-wise, to suggest that he should be brought in. It is a high-risk one, but he did average 55 points a game last year, and he's only hit 50 once in five games this year. He has not scored a try yet, and he's a noted try scorer. He's playing the Brisbane Broncos as a fullback, and fullbacks carve them up. The biggest thing for me, though, is that he is only 60-odd K off a new, so he's a really easy upgrade. Around that 400000 price point, 
I don't think there's very many players that have great upside. Um, he's going to play the round 13 by, and from here on out, we've already spoken about the Panthers draw being phenomenal until then. So I'm just going to take a pun on him as sort of, you know, my third center wing, fourth center wing, where, you know, he's he's 400k as a price point. He's a complete pod, going to play the bye, and he's got a great draw. And I think that he's going to score his first try against the Broncos this week. He'll want to score a try every single week because you know he needs to do that, right? Yep. Uh, although his base has been 28 this, this year. Um, so it's yeah. been a little bit better than what it has been, you know, exactly. last year. Exactly. So he needs at least a try every week to be worth it. So you, you reckon you can guarantee that? Uh, not, yeah, not every week. But then why are you buying him? Well, why do you buy any centre wing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> but other centre wings you buy because they have a high floor, like Kelly. Like, he's got a floor of, what, 45. So if you only just go every two weeks to have an average of 65. This bloke here needs to go over the line every single week with a line break to score to average 60. Well, the difference is that Kelly's almost 100k more. So looking at the Crichton price point, that's what I need to spend. So I'm about 60 to 70k off. And I'm, I reckon the Crichton is a big gut play for me. And that's one of the ones where you've got to take some risks in Supercoach. You've got to pick a player that you think is going to go on a run. And I reckon, you know, again, Broncos, Knights, Manly, Sharks, Titans, up to round 10. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores in all of them aside from one. And I reckon that he's good for a double in one of those as well. Um, oh, maybe. Keeps going. I, I, just think she, I just think he's lost at fullback and he, he would really have to go back to centre for, for me to be interested in him. And he would probably have to be 350k for me yeah. to go anywhere, anywhere near him. I don't expect to be able to sell you on him um, because he hasn't shown anything so far that, that suggests that he should be a buyer. Even but, last year, even last year when he was absolutely killing it, didn't want to touch him because it was just all bullshit luck. Well, I don't know if you can call it luck though. Like I reckon that we we disagree pretty heavily on Crichton because I think you've been a bit unfair. Because like if a guy scores eight out of ten games in a row, I think it's more than luck. Like I think that that's, he's he's a genuine try scorer. And likewise, if he's done that for a year and scored bulk tries, and then, you know, another year he's gone five rounds without one, he's going to score one. Uh, and against one of the worst defensive teams in the comp, the Broncos, it, it all lines up. And, you know, he's 400k. If you do a filter on 400k and below players, you're not going to find many with the upside or the try-scoring pedigree that Stephen Crichton does have. So... I reckon it's a, it's a pod shot in the dark. I'm going there. Don't care what anyone says, and I'll crash and burn and, and know that it was a possibility, but I'm going to throw it at the stumps and see if I can hit. Yeah, fair enough. I was about I was about to say I'd rather take an AE or play Saab, but that's probably going a bit too long. <laughs> oh, you think so? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Well, gun-wise, um, Brian Toto... Should carve up this one, but we've already spoken plenty about him. Captaincy options, though. Nathan Cleary is a really interesting one. Like, I don't think that you're playing the game right if you don't VC him for this, but I'm highly considering just throwing the straight C on him in this one. Oh, I wouldn't do the straight C on him because he, he, can, he can have a game out of his skin and only score 75 because, you know, you know as well as I do, he can be contained to, what, 15 in the first half and kill it with 60 or 70 in a second, but it's still only sort of... You know, 80, 90. Um, too much of a risk for me. 
I'd much, I'd much rather, even though Pappy has um, the chooks, I'd still much rather a goal kicking fullback who's averaging 120. Uh, see, this is this is the problem with super coaching in a nutshell at the moment. You still got your chooks head on, mate. Take it off. No, 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 mate. You just said then, you know, he's he, he can clear. He's only going to go 80 or 90 as your captain. 12 months ago, you would have been happy as Larry to hit a 90 with your captaincy. Just because we've got these few players like Pappenhausen that have started off with 197 games and shit like that, everybody thinks that, you know, if you don't score 100, it's not a good captaincy choice. The scoring has been out of control the first five weeks, um, and you know you can't hit on 199, like 97 all the time. Like, 90 is a good captaincy score. That's not a fail. Yeah, but the rules have changed, mate. Like, the... The speed of the game, it, it, the speed of the game is a lot higher. The ball's in play an extra seven percent. Um, guys, guys like uh, Pappenhusen have been in the team for what twelve months now. They're, they're basically going to average ninety to hundred without the goal kicking. Now the bloke's got goal kicking. That's the extra fifteen points a game, mate. I, I really think he's a one hundred fifteen point average player. Yeah, I, I don't think that anyone's going to average one hundred fifteen points this year, and I'm. Pretty confident in that one, but that sounds like a good one to revisit at the end of the year, mate. <laughs> um, I'll, happily, I'll, I'll happily take a $50 bet that he averages at least 100. Oh, see, 100's a bit harder because he could average 100, but you said 115. About 105 from here. Take all these scores out of the equation. Yep, done. So 105 from here. Everybody's heard it. 50 pineapple for a case of beer bet. Pappenhausen from this round onwards to average 105 points. Alright, done. Done. Virtual shake over the phone. Now, back to Cleary. He's gone 76, 103, 88, and 103. So that's pretty good four scores. Two of the four have been tons. His bad score was against Canberra. So, and that was still 76. Look, I think he's the definite VC anyway. Surely you're looking at the VC, even if you're against the C option. Yeah, VC for sure. Uh, but it's going to have to be a massive score, though, because I've got Sarp sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, too many of us still have Sarp sitting there. Mate. I've got him there as well. Uh, for the top sport bet of the week for this one, uh, I can't go past a, a Brian Toto try, but I tell you what, has he come in on the markets on every betting site you can find? Top sports still have him as the, probably the best odds in the market out of the half a dozen ones that I've looked at to compare. So Brian Toto on Top Sport is still a dollar fifty-six. Now guys like guys like sports bet and stuff having him at a dollar forty or a dollar forty-five. Dollar fifty-six for Brian Toto to score a try against the Broncos. That's about as good as bet you'll see in this game or this round. So I'm all over that one. Panthers are going to win by twenty plus at least. Let's move on to the Knights versus Sharkies. Not as much to talk about in this one, Billy. So we'll get over it pretty quickly. Um, but as far as the Knights side goes. Obviously, um, Bradman Best is back, which is a huge in and a huge watch. Kurt Mann's returning as well, uh, and that's the main super coach news for them. Braden Musgrove has been named to make his debut on the wing first game, so we're going to watch and see. But a couple of talking points for this one. Now, the gun talking point, Kalen Ponga, he's come in and he's back, but obviously we've got the fullback jam. Um, he's playing the Sharks this week, so he could see a pretty big score. I don't really see any way that anyone can bring him in at the moment with the other fullbacks that are there, despite the good matchup. But someone who did start the season very well was Bradman Best. Uh, I was very much looking at bringing him in, and then he got hurt. He's coming up against the Sharks 
off injury, but only 550k. As far as a throw at the stumps for a guy that's, you know, started the season pretty well with an average of 76 in his first two games, you could have a throw at the stumps with him this week, potentially as a pod, but it's probably a little bit much with uh, the other options that are there to buy. I'd probably rather a week of watching Ponga just see how he goes because um, Burst is heavily reliant on, on the short ball from him. I'd also probably want to just see how he goes for a week you know, coming back from injury. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I've got him in, in draft, so I'm particularly happy with that. The Sharks did quite well last week against the Roosters, got run down in the end, but Wade Graham and Josh Dugan are both out this week, which means that Teague Wilton is going to switch to Graham's edge, which is great for guys that got in on Milton. He made 60-odd K, and now he's got a low BE, and he's going to start again. So I don't think you can buy him now, but he certainly was um, a good one last week that you know people could have brought in as a Hail Mary, and it's worked out. Big news for this one, Billy, as far as guns and pods go, there's only one person to mention, and that's Talakai for me. He's been named on the bench, which is perfect, because if he plays a couple of bench games and then starts dropping cash... Bang, bang, bang. Straight into your centre uh, center wing as a second-row forward. Hopefully he's going to get the start, but, geez, he's I'm salivating looking at him at a lower price point in a month or so. Well, I think everyone is, but... So you just got to make sure you have that cash on hand for whenever he starts, and... Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, but as far as the, the match goes, I'm not sure what's going to happen in this one. I don't think we've got any C or VC options. But you've always got a bet that you can make that's a decent one to look at. And for top sport, I think the Bradman best is getting a lot of a lot of good odds everywhere. But certainly on top sport, I've got him at great odds. $2.79 to score a try any time against that Sharks back line. That's a, a heavy odds bet at 279 that's a big underdog bet, but one that I think could be worth it at those odds. All right, Storm versus Roosters. Now, Harry Grant's still on the bench. Um, he was impressive last week, but if that keeps happening, it's going to be really great later on for him to get some price drops and see how cheap we can actually get him in at. Um, for the Storm, obviously, Ryan Pappenhausen is the gun. You mentioned that you're happy to put the C on him this week again. Uh, I wouldn't be. So I'm a bit in the no camp on that one. But you're pretty confident you're just going to chuck the C on? Well, 50 bucks says, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that I'm going to stay away from the, the C on the um, on the pullbacks for this one. Like James Tedesco and Ryan Pappenhausen, I'm, I'm not going to put the C on either of them for this one, which is why I was actually thinking about Nathan Cleary straight up. Yeah, look, put it this way. As good as those teams are, it's not going to be nil all. Someone's going to score points. It's probably what... To at least two, maybe three tries in each team, surely. Yeah, there's going to be points there, and look, I mean, I think as well the Roosters side is a bit is a bit better this week. You know, they've got Adam Kieran back, which is going to really help with the halves and the hooker spots. It's in um, Melbourne then, too. Yeah, it is in Melbourne, but they've also got Lindsay Collins back, um, and that's going to help the middle forwards, you know, hugely. Like the bench for the Roosters is a lot stronger this week. They've got. Adam Kieran, Jared Weary Hargraves, Nat Butcher, and Lindsay Collins on the bench. That's way better than the last couple of weeks, what we've had. So I I think it'll be a really good game of footy. Um, as far as pods between the two teams, um, I'm pretty sure that Tupo is going to be going against um, Jennings and Remus Smith's side. Uh, and I I think that Jennings and Remus Smith's side is going to get targeted all night. Um, and Daniel Tupo scored his first try of the year last week. Uh, and he's coming in now at only just a shade over 500k as an absolute pod buy. So I, 
I love his base that we've spoken about before, 33 raw, but certainly towards sort of mid-40s, high-40s when you take into account his base attack. He's he's ready to go in a bit of a run. After this week, the Roosters have a, a pretty good run, but even this week for Toops, um, if he's running at that Remus Smith uh, Jennings side, I think that he could get another try this week. Oh, for a, um, a, a Chooks winger, yeah, for sure. He's certainly due, but they don't seem to be going high anymore to him. Is there a reason for that, or is it just that just the, oh, they have. Um, he's he's had a couple of drop balls over the line where he's actually caught him yeah. for some high kicks and he's he's dropped him. But I, I, again, I think on that side they they're going to have to target it, um, and I think that they will. For the Storm side, on a bit of a pod watch as well. Justin Olam's been getting a bit of steam, um, and he's he's actually been going a lot better than you'd expect and been looking like a lot better footballer um, for Super Coach anyway than what he has in the past. He's averaging sixty a game. And a lot of teams are sort of looking at him at that 450k price point. At that price, he'd probably be worth. He, he might be worth having a stab, but he just doesn't. Doesn't just doesn't have a high ceiling. He's like he's been playing out of his skin and getting some half decent scores, but nothing that's really going to push up the ladder. So I would I wouldn't bother with him. Yeah, he's pretty similar to Tupo, and Tupo hasn't been scoring the tries that he has, and has a better base as well. So. I'd much rather that. How do you think this one's going to come out? I'm obviously on the Roosters side of things, but I think that we could definitely lose it <laughs> because it's in Melbourne. We probably will lose. I think that's the first objective comment I've ever heard you have. Well, I do like the Roosters' points. Like You can give the Roosters a 14-point start and get a dollar fifty-five at the moment, um, and I don't mind that one. I think I... I think I'll keep my 50 bucks in my pocket this time. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just... uh, mate, that, this game, honestly, I have absolutely no idea which team's going to turn up. All I know is that I'm just going to take less of a risk. And, and actually, you know what? I might even be tempted to go the older uh, BC Pappy and C for feet up. Yeah, well, the, the Titans play next, um, and that's probably going to be what I'm going to be doing. Um, I really like the, the Titans versus Seagulls. Um, for the Titans are the first team we should probably talk about. They've got no changes. And the C option straight away becomes, do you put it on David Fafita? And against the, the Seagull side that now has, um, Alicat- I'm going to pronounce this wrong, so I apologise. Alakatau is uh, on one of the edges now, with Schuster on the other. So they've got two makeshift edges. That's, um, that's going to be great for the Titans' edges. So Fafita looks like a pretty good reasonably safe C, but, you know, he can have a quiet game and he's going to maybe score 40 or 50 points. But I do see the Titans going pretty hard at Manly. So as far as um, captaincy, obviously Manly's not going to toss any up, but how do you feel about the Fafita one? Do you know, do you think that you can safely throw it on him against the Seagulls? Oh, the way I've, the way he's been going, mate, I think it'd be silly to say otherwise. Yeah, look, it's, they've just been giving up so many points, I think, that you have to. But Tom Trebojevic is back, so he's the gun watching this one. It'll be really interesting to see how he goes. I don't see Travoyevich getting them a win here. Um, I think the Titans are playing too good a footy. Um, top sport bet of the week. $1.50 for the Gold Coast Titans. Really like that one. I might be doing a C, David Fafita myself. Rabbitohs v Tigers. Now, we've got Cody Walker back for the Rabbits. Um, Marshall moving back to the bench. On the Tigers side of things, there's heaps of changes. So Simkin... Is the starting hooker and Little's out of the 17. So Little's just become a, a complete sell immediately. Um, Kapoa's replaced BJ Lua. Uta Kamanu starts. So he looks like an option that you can even play this week against the Rabbits. Uh, quite a few changes for the Tigers side. Um, for Podwatch, 
for the Tigers. I have to bring up um, my mate Adam Dewey, but he's probably gotten a bit expensive. There's been some other guys that have been getting a bit of attention, though, between these two teams, and one of them is Luciano Lua. Now, I've said to a couple of people I couldn't bring him in, but looking at the Tigers' draw coming up, you know, it starts to become a little bit interesting to look at him as a potential option. 530,000. He's coming off 84 points last game, and he's only in 5% of teams. We're getting a lot of questions about him, Billy, so he's one that we need to bring up. He's gone 84 and 91 the last two weeks, but the three weeks before that, he went 46, 44, and 63. South this week, but then he's got Manly, Saints, Gold Coast, Newcastle, New Zealand, St. George, and then he's got the bye that he plays in. So I think a lot of teams are starting to look ahead, also through the Tigers' positive draw, and are looking at him as a 530k buy for the buy round and for the draw that's got coming up. Do you think that Lucy is worth going at with a low BE of 22 this week? No, not at all. I think it's an absolute waste. I owned him last year and pretty much the, the, the whole year. You, 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 he's on 25 points for 20 minutes to go and you're crapping yourself. All of a sudden he has a few TVs, you start counting the offloads and then he goes over for a try and you're like, oh, thank Christ for that. One more week, not selling. Then he shows a bit of promise. You think, oh, just one more week. And then at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, you look at him and go, he's averaged 62 and I've held on to him for X amount of time. I could have sold him and had, you know, X, Y, Z player. You just don't get, don't get, don't get wrapped up in that soft draw and waiting for the buyer too much because he's not going to, he's not going to maintain that average. Yeah, I, I couldn't bring him in despite the draw, but he is getting brought up a little bit at the moment. A guy that's not been brought up at all and is in less than 5% of teams is Campbell Graham. Obviously playing for the opposition, running against this Tigers side. Campbell Graham's only 440,000. Low B of 35 because he's just scored his first try of the year, coming off 85 points against the Broncos with his one try line break. For this season, he has a raw base billy of 38. That is right at the top of centre wings. He just hasn't been getting any attack, so his average is only at 47 for the year was a really good try score last year. They're obviously not going his side enough, but 440000 reasonably cheap for the run that Souths have got, playing the Tigers this week. He was a guy, along with Crichton, that I actually considered as a bit of a hand grenade, try and hope they go back on a run sort of player for the centre wing. And I think he looks pretty good this week against the Tigers. I think he does, but just got a question to ask you. What side does he play? Not the side that they're attacking with Walker. <laughs> who, who, who was away last week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. No, look, they were still going the other side a bit, um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I know. You, you, you just got to remember that um, he went on that uh, nine, nine, not nine game try scoring streak, but did score nine tries in what, seven weeks or eight weeks to finish the season. Yeah. Um, he may average to the 70, 75 over the next few weeks, but you bank on and go and have a line um, at least one, once a week or twice every three weeks. I wouldn't want to bank on that. I think he's a bit too much of a risk, purely because he's not going to average 100 to really push up the ladder. You're basically going to be risking a lot of coin for like a little bit of a game. I think there's, too, I think there's more risk than reward there. Yeah, look, I think the next couple of weeks are really good for them. Um, they do get a bit of a harder draw after that, though, and that's probably what turned me off the most. Round 8 and 9, they've got Cameron Melbourne. So these next two weeks are really good, though. He could go on a bit of a run. Um, 
But as far as this, the betting markets go, for the top sport bet, um, a Alex Johnston to score a try any time and for South to win is around a dollar seventy at the moment. So that's, I think that's pretty close to money in the bank. So I really like that as the bet of the week, and I. Well, I certainly see South winning and Latrell and Cody are the ones that are going to benefit. I think they're going to have some big scores. The game after is your Eels versus the Raiders. This one's at GIO Stadium. Now, obviously, we've got CNK out at the back. So, Caleb Akins is a little bit of a watch as a mid-ranger for a few weeks to see what he does with uh, Nickel Clockstad out for, oh, looks like eight weeks plus. But the big news is that Ryan James is gone. So that's really hurt Supercoaches. Apparently he's being rested, um, had a couple of head knocks, so that's probably why. Ill side of things, Brown's out with suspension, so it kind of evens up with the Raiders' number one being out as well. Uh, Will Smith will start at 5'8". He's gone pretty well when he started. Madison is supposed to return this week. Whether he does, we'll have to wait and see. So this is a big game, Billy. Um, as far as pod watch, you know, I don't really see any pods between these two teams that I'm really looking at at the moment. Um, but captaincy-wise as well, I think it might be a little bit dour. I don't, I don't think that I'd really want much of a piece of this one. Yeah, I think you're pretty much wasting your options there. In, in the olden days, you'd have, a, you'd have a Bado as a potential option, but uh, with, with his high floor, but no guarantee he's ever going to start. I was talking to one of the bookies at, at uh, Top Sport today about this uh, because they had a mountain of money come in for the Eels and uh, the Eels' odds have gone from opening at $2.60 uh, down to, I think, $2.25 at the moment. I got in at $2.60 as an underdog play. Um, I reckon your Eels are a good shot at a bounce back this week and, and winning I this one. I kind of disagree. I reckon, favorite, I reckon uh, I'd still have my money on the um, on Raiders for this one. But Oof, look at you. Classic Eels fan, mate. I'm just trying to reverse mush, mate. <laughs> Dragons versus Warriors. Now, for the Dragons, they're obviously coming off a really good win last week against your Eels. Um, they've got Josh Maguire. He's named in the reserves uh, for possibly his first game, whether he actually plays or not. Um, we'll have to wait and see, but that's the only change. For the Warriors, Peter Hickey's back. Um, Fuzitu is injured, so that's a straight swap. But the interesting one is that Josh Curran starting. Now, I initially thought earlier in the day that Katoa had picked up an injury, but he's actually been totally dropped. So it becomes a bit interesting because he hasn't even been included in the top 22 squad. So we need to really see what's happened because normally when that happens, it's, it's been something that's occurred to be thrown not into the reserves but out of the squad. And I say that it's going to be interesting for Supercoach because Josh Curran comes in as a starting back rower now who hasn't played a game yet, who's only 203,000. So he's going to be a huge watch the next two weeks. I really rate Curran as a player. I said that in the preseason. If he's starting and getting those minutes for Katoa and Katoa stays in the doghouse, Curran's going to be a must in a couple of weeks, potentially. What's his PPM like? Because I haven't been following him as closely um, the last last couple of weeks as opposed to what he did on preseason. So in um, 2019 and 2020, he played three games in each of those years, so not a huge sample size, yeah. but across those six games... He's at about a 0.96 ppm. Yeah, so if he's getting big minutes, it'd be worth it. Yeah, 203k for sure. Um, other than him, though, as a, as a big watch. For captaincy and vice-captaincy options, um, I don't think that there's really any in this one that you can swing at the stubs, but Zach Lomax is starting to approach buy territory. 
he's got a pretty big BE still. So when you're having a look at Lomax, it's a good matchup for him this week. So you could go early on him. Unlikely he makes origin, even though he was in the camp last year. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that he will, and he's got to be 107 this week at 570k. So he's currently 60 points a game, eight points below what his average is. But he's got the Roosters next week, which is a bit harder, and the Warriors this week, which is a good matchup. So maybe round eight versus the Tigers is going to be better. But if you really wanted a pod play, because he's definitely pod territory, you could just pay the 570 for him now and bank on him maybe having a big game this week. You know, he scored 92 against Manly in round three. Obviously, he's a goal kicker. I could see him put 92 against the Warriors. You're only probably going to lose 15 grand, and you're going to get the 92 points in a good matchup. And for a guy that's going to play round 13-2 and maybe even be a a whole-season keeper, as as far as pods and guns, I I like him in this one. Yeah, but then he plays your boys next week, and then then he scores back to 45, 55 points and offsets that win and. You could have basically held off for a couple for a couple of weeks and had the um the the price drop. So I, I'd be inclined to wait two weeks. But... Yeah, it, it probably is the astute thing to do. One of the things that's noticeable, and look, I have seen quite a few people talking about Lomax, and and you should be, he should be one of the top center wings that you're thinking about. But his base has gone down to 34 a game, um, which you know is okay. It was higher last year, but. His base attack has been non-existent, and his 34 is actually propped up by the fact that he had 44 raw base in round five. His his first month of footy, um, he was about 30 or 31, so hasn't really been there as far as that base base attack combo that we loved for him last year. He did this last year, but um, he he was pretty ordinary the first sort of six weeks that he just exploded. I remember that because I sold him before he exploded. <laughs> well, I don't think there's too many other options in this one, mate. It's it's a little bit of a not great super coach game. Um, I do think based on last week playing at Jubilee Stadium, the Dragons are going to get the goods in this one. Yeah, I think they're in a much better trajectory than they were um, um, earlier in the year. They seem to be playing out of their skin at the moment too. Well, they're $1.45 at the moment on Top Sport, and it's low odds, but I'm just going to go for that one just for a straight lower odds bet. I reckon that's a pretty good one on Top Sport. The final game of the round is the Dogs versus the Cowboys. This one's up in Cowboy land, and interesting here, because we do have Condon keeping his spot, but in the extended bench, we do have Mitchell Dunn, who's coming back from injury, and Mitchell Dunn was one of the guys that was talked up as that edge in the preseason. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But the big inclusion for the Cowboys is Jason Tomalolo. He's going to be the gun watching this one. Obviously not even close to looking at a buy for this week. Uh, on the Bulldogs side of things, um, Josh Jackson is injured. So Luke Thompson goes to lock. He's my pod talk for this week, Billy, on this particular game, because Luke Thompson was great last week. He obviously scored a try, which is rarely ever going to happen. Um, so you have to take that into account. You've got an LB try. But he had a 44 raw base in only 50 minutes. And his 50 minutes was, you know, his first game that he's played in a very long time and scored 83 points. Uh, his work rate was really good. Um, he also had uh, quite a few tackle breaks, which we didn't really see enough of from last year. But he did only have the 10 games last year. So 450,000 playing his second game. He's a big watch in this one for me as a dual front row forward, second row forward. Yeah, um, I think he's one of the very few options in it. Um, 
you know, Jackson's out for a week or two weeks, so he's probably got um, a bit of a run there. I think if, if you're going to pick anyone in that team, he's probably an option, but it's not really a safe one. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a watch. Um, you can't get him at the moment, but at the 450 price point, um, you know, he's someone who I rate pretty highly, so that's why I'm watching him. But he's also, when you take his... Um, his send-off game out and uh, injury-affected one I think he had last year as well. He's, he's probably at about 57 minutes a game last year, and he's only played 50 in that game there. Um, he's got a, he should have a PPM around a one, um, so he's yeah he's probably priced if you count for some improvement, you know, below gun status, but he's probably going to be at gun status at 60 plus. Bit of a watch and see how he adjusts, but like I, I quite like him. There's obviously not a lot of options in the Bulldogs side, so he's worth a shout out just to have a watch at. Oh. Oh, mate, this this game is dead set like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> well, as as far as gun watch, mate, your, your your friend Valentine Holmes is here, and his fullback stats aren't going anywhere. They're still pretty good. Um, he's still averaging, I think, about sixty five points a game at fullback for his few starts this year, and he's kicking and, and running against this dogs team at home. Yeah, unfortunately, he was named on the wing to start of the season, so no uh, no value to be taken there, mate. But. Uh, Look, if I had to describe this game, it's probably like, you know, two seagulls fighting over a breadcrumb. <laughs> Look, considering that Val's going to be kicking, um, and he's gone 50, 70, and 70 the last three weeks at fullback, you know, is he a consideration at 510,000 now for your centre wing to plug and play against the Bulldogs for this week? Is he a bit of a pod to go in there? Um, you know, he's 100,000 more than, say, Stephen Crichton. Uh, but I did have a look at it to see if I could fund that one. A new to a, a Valentine Holmes in centre wing. I'd certainly do Holmes over um, Crichton, but I wouldn't be selling Teddy to do it. <laughs> no, God no. <laughs> uh, well, as far as the betting goes, to finish up on this game and the round, uh, Cowboys and Bulldogs. I'm too scared to bet on either of them winning, but I think that Holmes is is due for a try, uh, and I reckon it's coming in this one. So. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd take the Holmes factor on this one, particularly because um, Lolo's back as well. Yeah, so Lolo should really help him. I do think that the Cowboys will probably win this one, but if you want to go for a anytime try for Valentine Holmes on Top Sport, you're going to get better odds than just about anywhere else. I reckon two dollars seventeen for Val Holmes to go for a try for a noted try scorer that's due. That's pretty good odds, I reckon, on Top Sport. Yeah, it's about the best you'll get, mate. So on that note, Billy, that is the round. Thank you for jumping back on. It's It's been a month too long. Been good to chat some footy again. Yeah, mate, thanks for having me back on, mate. It's been a while. Um, miss, miss chatting the footy, but... um. Well, we'll get you back on pretty soon again after we rotate a couple of other guests in. You'll be back in a few weeks and you can tell me about how, how good it is being a Eels supporter again. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully I'm in the top 100 by then, mate. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. You can download or stream us on Spotify, iTunes, and also SoundCloud. Uh, do make sure that if you are going to bet, do so responsibly, but also make sure that you do it with Top Sport, our great partner of the All-Stars podcast, that if you throw SC All-Stars as your promo code, if you're going to create an account with them, they'll definitely take care of you. Follow us on Twitter as well, NRL underscore SC underscore All-Stars. We answer a lot of questions on there and everything as well, and you can get hold of us all the time. But until then, good luck with your trades and your matchups this week. Hopefully they all pay off and we'll be chatting to you again next week.